This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Archimedes' Claw, and the author, Dr. Theodore M. Homa. And Dr. Homa joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Dr. Homa. How are you today? Good to have you with us. Uh, this great science fiction romantic thriller that you have created. Uh, I want to read a little bit of what you've written about it. You say, the epic novel of one man's journey back through time and his encounter with mankind's greatest mystery. Driven for truth, one man uncovers a secret hidden in time that catapulted the Roman Empire to find Archimedes. Hunted by the government, haunted by his past, driven by passion, he must risk all and travel back through the vortex of time and encounter mankind's greatest mystery. That, that paragraph alone is worth talking about. <laughs> it creates a lot of feelings and images right there. It, it certainly is. And the, uh, the symbolism throughout the book is uh, related to um, the concept of a universal plan, a grand design, actually intelligent design. Uh, it's not about creation in, in the terms, uh, 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 the strict biblical terms uh, of uh, modern-day Christians, but it's, it's more about the, the blend of the fact that, we, um, that uh, there is a creator and he uses the, the natural uh, law that he created to um, uh, foster and engender the development of uh, his creation. And so uh, this book, uh, which I wrote uh, primarily uh, to entertain myself when I was in a uh, uh, difficult period of my life following a heart transplant. In fact, you were a dead man. Your words, you were a dead man. That's correct. I uh, died in uh, the summer of uh, 2008. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough that the uh, entire team that was tending me was in the room at the time. Uh, the surgeon who uh, uh, made the decision to take me to the operating room and put in artificial heart um, uh, got permission from my wife, even though I had uh, indicated I wasn't really interested in going down that road. Uh, and uh, I woke up six days later uh, with an artificial heart in my chest and uh, listening to it beat. Uh, uh, we called the device Big Bertha at the time because it was huge and loud. And uh, I spent another six weeks in the hospital, and uh, they downsized the device to one that I could trail behind me like a suitcase that you would roll oh, onto goodness. to an airplane. <laughs> I was always attached to it by a six-foot uh, pneumatic pump. Wow. And... Uh, so not being able to continue practicing medicine and not having actually finished the dying process, being rescued by a great surgeon, uh, I uh, uh, needed something to do to fill my time. And I decided that I was going to attempt to write the novel I always wanted to write, 
and I dedicated the novel to uh, Mulligan uh, because uh, Mulligan is all about taking another shot, taking another chance, and I'd certainly gotten one. Has this idea of, about time travel, the consequences of, and the, uh, the, of course, the just the thrill of being able to do that, has that been with you for a long time, or is that something that you thought of during this time where you were uh, healing? I've always been fascinated by time travel. I, I've been a science fiction enthusiast. Time travel being the uh, topic which I found most uh, romantic, most fascinating. I really enjoy history, and I decided to um, make that the um, uh, vehicle in which I told a story. Uh, The story is about a uh, a modern-day hero uh, who has his problems and has his faults, uh, and who is passionately in love with a woman that he uh, married and unfortunately um, lost her. And uh, the book goes into how and why. I don't want to give away those secrets. Uh, but uh, the, the backstory, especially, is uh, uh, very romantic and uh, very passionate about the relationship that these two had. Uh, the hero goes on to discover an ancient secret. And uh, this ancient secret um, uh, is uh, something that uh, div- that ultimately leads him to developing uh, a way of traveling in time. Unfortunately, he never quite controls it and goes for several trips uh, that uh, uh, get him in a lot of trouble on multiple occasions. And uh, ultimately, he makes an uh, impulsive trip back to um, the beginnings of Christianity, and uh, uh, he uh, then um, uh, discovers uh, that uh, he has uh, uh, become involved with witnessing uh, the uh, resurrection uh, of Christ. Um, That's just the anticlimax of the book. There's a climax, which I won't go into as well, but uh, to, when I wove the story together, uh, it uh, just seemed to, 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 to flow so well that each time I uh, finished a chapter, there was a, there was a dramatic pause. And uh, everybody that's given me any feedback on it so far uh, has given me the feedback that I was hoping to get. And that is that you, when you finish a chapter, you just have to start the next one to see what's going to happen. So I've really enjoyed uh, some of the initial feedback as, well, as, as much as I enjoyed writing the book, and it's, and it's prompted me to actually go out and uh, do some research and begin a sequel, which I uh, have underway at the moment. Well, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this book was the opportunity to take history, uh, real history, research it, and blend it into the story. And uh, this uh, particular uh, time traveler goes back to multiple different uh, episodes in his uh, uh, own past as well as into uh, the history uh, that's related to Archimedes himself. And, uh, of course, each journey comes with uh, certain risks and uh, certain rewards 
and there's always a complication. And by the end of the book, he still hasn't figured out how to master the device. It seems to that it seems to me that uh, he has got a long way to go, and the and the device actually mastered him. And there's a twist in the end of it. Uh, one of the main characters is uh, uh, a professor of logic, and uh, he uh, concludes uh, a, a certain theorem about time travel, which I'm going to let the reader find in the book. I won't talk about that either. But it's different than our normal concept of uh, traveling in time and the effects that it might have on the future should somebody go back and uh, uh, effectively uh, introduce a change. So uh, when I crafted this, uh, I didn't. I don't. I can't say that I had the entire story in mind, um, but I had uh, a very good framework. Work, and as I developed each chapter in each situation, uh, parts of the parts of the story wrote itself. Uh, other parts, um, the romantic parts, I relied on a little help from my daughter, who absolutely insisted on one part, part, <laughs> uh, uh, and one of the romantic parts, and she uh, uh, hadn't read the book until it finally came out in hard copy, and then I gave her a copy, and she was so pleased that, that what she had suggested was in there. And so I think the book goes beyond the normal appeal to uh, the target audience of... Uh, 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 men, science uh, fiction enthusiasts are usually men 25 to 40. Uh, a lot of my friends that are my age, and I'm 66, have really enjoyed the book, and I find that a lot of women have really uh, uh, been affected by it and uh, have enjoyed the content and uh, uh, told me not to uh, stop writing, and they can't wait to find out what happens next. So we, I've, it's really been a it's really been a thrill ride, and, and I've been on it, and it uh, and it does reflect, I think, uh, uh, some of a lot of my life experiences, uh, a lot of the emotions that I felt that, with uh, some of the things I went through with my own health, um, and it uh, uh, it's just been a joy to uh, to uh, craft this novel. And spawned a whole new career of, besides being a full-time doctor like you are again. Uh, and, of course, the hero, Dr. Finn McGee. You call him notable academic physicist, physician, and I love this, unlikely subject of a CIA investigation. Ah, there always has to be the CIA in some kind of sci-fi thriller. Well, yeah, there was. The government does get involved here, and the government... Um uh, is involved in a way that uh, it at least appears to Finn McGee that he's been manipulated a bit and uh, shoved and tossed around a bit uh, and uh, uh, winds up in a career track that uh, he was groomed for. Ultimately, it's um, partially true, but the other parts of what he believes uh, uh, come undone toward the end of the book, and the real truth comes out as to the government involvement, and um, uh, the government is not really the bad guy in this book, uh, but uh, it appears to Finn that way in the beginning. Uh, and Finn is, uh, if anybody wanted to know, I've been asked this question a lot, is, am I, is Finn modeled after me? 
And the, and the answer is no. Uh, I gave him some of my credentials, but I made him a physicist and a mathematician, and actually uh, those are my Achilles heels. <laughs> so if I uh, uh, were to say and claim that I was uh, an expert in those areas, that would just be an outrageous lie. Uh, I uh, always wanted to be, but I guess that's why I gave the talent to the, to the hero of the novel. Now, his cherished friends, Dan and Maddie, uh, you say Dan is a Wall Street whiz, techno expert. Uh, what kind of, what part does Dan play in this? Dan is his lifelong best friend, uh, and they met at an early age, and he is a uh, very wise, very stable, uh, uh, intelligent man, compassionate, who um, understands the world perhaps a little bit better than Finn does, hasn't had um, the uh, uh, mood swings, the the uh, impulsive behavior uh, that his friend has, and tries to uh, keep him uh, on a steady plane uh, as part of his role as lifelong friend. And, in, and of course, in the book, uh, that is that continues to be his role. And his uh, the and his uh, uh, career uh, took him a different direction than uh, Finn's career. But at this particular moment of crisis in Finn's life, when he discovers this enormous power uh, and realizes that he has uh, gotten to a, a the edge of a precipice and uh, is about to fall off, he seeks counsel from his friend because uh, he fears that uh, uh, there may be uh, something about this that he won't be able to handle. So the two of them work on the project together, uh, and uh, one counterbalances the other in terms of uh, uh, the fact that Dan is a very steady hand and a, a very cool mind, and Finn, although brilliant, is impulsive, and um, they work back and forth uh, through this uh, uh, new discovery, and the emotions bounce off of each of each of them, and uh, periodically uh, uh, Finn loses control and uh, winds up uh, on uh, unexpected trouble in some of his trips, and Dan, the advisor stays behind and, and tries to uh, uh, essentially uh, be the rock that uh, Finn can tie himself to and anchor himself to when he gets back from these uh, journeys. And uh, the, the book is filled with surprises about uh, the quirkiness of time travel, and some of that quirkiness, I believe, is also the quirkiness of the, uh, the hero uh, in terms of his impulsive behavior. We only have about a minute left, Doctor. Is that part of that quirkiness of time travel, the consequences uh, when a person enters a time where he doesn't really exist? And the consequences of what he does then? I hadn't thought it that so much as the, the fact that the way I envisioned this, the way I developed the thought, uh, it, it, it is an incomplete uh, invention. They haven't mastered this yet. They really stumbled upon how to do it, and they thought they had it under control, or Finn did, and uh, as the story unfolds, he really doesn't have it under control. 
and even though he makes trips back to targeted zones in time and locations in time, uh, those trips don't always turn out exactly the way he expected. And uh, he always uh, has uh, some uh, consequence uh, that occurs because of that, usually related to his interference with, uh, with uh, the past uh, just by being there. But the, the, the time vortex and nature itself uh, abhors a vacuum, and uh, time travel itself abhors uh, the concept that somebody in, from one time uh, is actually in another and, tr- and tries to correct it, even though you have a device which uh, is meant to keep you in, in the place you intended to go. Nature keeps fighting to bring you back. And, and this is the... This is the uh, the actual uh, conflict that uh, continues to spin the unknown toward Finn as he travels through the book and, and through the story. The title of the book, Archimedes' Claw, the author, Dr. Theodore M. Homa. Dr. Homa, tell us how to get your book. Well, currently, there's three, three ways that I know to get it. You can contact Author House. Um, and uh, they they will sell you one, uh, and uh, you can get a hard cover. Uh, they, there's a, there's a soft cover, and there's an electronic book or an, e- an e-book. Um, Amazon uh, seems to be the easiest way because most people have Amazon accounts, and uh, you can go on to Amazon and and type in Archimedes Claw. The apostrophe follows the S, uh, and uh, it will take you to a site where you can purchase either the hardcover, the soft cover, or an electronic book, and they are priced appropriately. Um, and then Barnes & Noble um, also has the electronic version for their Nook and also has the hardcover and soft cover for delivery. And I know that uh, many of the people that have purchased my book have gone into Barnes & Noble and actually ordered it, and it takes about five days to get it. The book is returnable. Uh, and um, so uh, the people from Barnes & Noble are more than happy to uh, order more, one or more copies, and uh, I've been uh, uh, very fortunate in that uh, I've uh, had a, a flurry of uh, uh, interested parties that have uh, uh, purchased books early and uh, getting great feedback. One, one last thing, one of my... Uh, critiques that I got by email uh, was from somebody I don't know in New York, and his comment was that this is the best uh, sci-fi novel he's read since Canticle for Leibowitz. I happened to have studied that one in high school, and uh, that was mandatory reading where I went to high school, and that's actually the book that got me started in, in reading science fiction adventure. So um, I, uh, I hope everybody enjoys it, and uh, I, I think you'll find it rather easy to get if you follow the directions that I just spelled out. But um, I, uh, again, uh, uh, I can only say that this, this book, in terms of uh, writing it, uh, my intent was that the reader would have as much pleasure reading it as I got from writing it, and I think that's happening. Dr. Homa, thanks for being with us on Author Talk. Thank you very much. You're listening to Author Talk. 
We'll be back right after these messages. Do you love finding fabulous deals and enjoy fashion and discussing celebrities? Then you've touched the right dial. Join the lovely ladies of Celebrity Coupon with your host, Alisa Nicole, Lakeisha, and Raquel, as they get your weekend started off right. Every week on Friday at 6 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. They'll be discussing great deals on hot products, affordable fashions, and the latest celebrity news. We know you'll feel good after listening to this show and eager to come back the following week to tune in and hear news, tips, and advice on how to save while shopping for amazing products. For more on your Celebrity Coupon hosts and amazing deals and downloads, check out their webpage at CelebrityCoupon.com. You never know who'll be joining them and what giveaways they'll have. It's talk radio like never before. Celebrity Coupon with your host, Elisa Nicole. Lakeisha and Raquel. Friday afternoons at 7, 6 central on toginet.com. It's time to get your boots on with the boot campaign with hosts Megan Roth and Bailey Gray. Thursdays at noon, 1 central on toginet.com. Sponsored by Austin Bank. The whole point of the boot campaign is to continue the true grassroots initiative developed by a group of patriotic women known as the Boot Girls. Inspired by the true story of Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor, the Boot Girls got started with celebrities but want every American to get your boots on by purchasing a pair of the Give Back Combat Boots. The campaign's motto is simple. When they come back, we give back. For more on the boot campaign, go to the website bootcampaign.com. The Boot Campaign Get Your Boots On Show will feature discussions on current events impacting the lives of active duty and retired military, interviews with our nation's war heroes, medical professionals, and celebrities who have put their boots on. Do your part and join us for The Boot Campaign Get Your Boots On Show with Megan Roth and Baby Gray, Thursdays at noon, 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Suspect, Love, A Profound Prophecy. And the author is Judith Andrade. And Judith joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Judith. Hi, good morning. I want to read a few things you've written about your book so everyone understands the premise of this romance thriller. You say... An unexpected weekend romance, which holds the promise of a lasting relationship, is derailed when Rosanna's lover, Angus, is accused of fraud. Their love is put on hold, but not their desire. As the couple struggle to find their way back to each other, their diverse heritage intervenes and family pressures mount. Only the hand of fate can step in and save their fragile love born in the ashes of the past. Right. Well, what motivated this storyline, Judith? How did you come up with this? Um, I can't really say because I started this storyline over 20 years ago. I am, however, a big uh, lover of romance novels. I just I believe that love rules the world. And I think that when somebody... Uh, when a couple struggle to find love against all the odds, that it makes that love more powerful. And so I had written another novel about romance uh, that was more complex and complicated, and I wanted just to try and have a simple love story. 
Well, a simple love story, and yet uh, any kind of creation is a lot of energy, a lot of work. Uh, you've put a lot into this, and you haven't given up. Yes, I have. I have. Um, I just, I think as part of my character, I tended to do something and then uh, would set it aside and not complete things. And I always got that kind of criticism from my biggest supporter, my husband. And so I thought, I really, as I get older, I really need to start completing the things that I've started. And so I took these two books out that I had written and uh, updated them, cleaned them up, uh, spread them around to my friends, had them read the books, and then uh, decided to get them published. Multiculturalism is a focus of this story. Yes. And that is between Rosanna and Angus. They're of different yes. cultures. They are. Okay, yes. well, They're let's... both Canadian, essentially, but they bring... Uh, they bring uh, heritage, one of Scottish, which is Angus, and uh, one uh, Italian, uh, which is Rosanna. So does that create uh, strength for them, or is this a hurdle to have to overcome? It is another hurdle to overcome. And how do they deal with that? Uh, they are mature people, and one of the difficulties is mostly for Rosanna because her family has an expectation of how she should be uh, at a particular age. It was for, for an Italian family, it's extremely important to be married, to have a family, to progress in life. And so for her as a spinster, uh, in her mid-30s, unmarried and no prospects in the future, it's uh, hand-wringing time for her family. And so she is a career woman, extremely successful, and finds it difficult to understand why she can't be appreciated for that strength and not underappreciated because she's not married. Now, you mention in your uh, introduction of your story that this romance, uh, hoping to be a lasting one, is derailed when Angus is accused of fraud. How much can you tell us about this uh, fraud case against him? Yes, she. Uh, it, it really um, has to do with the kind of work he does. He is a research uh, scientist doctor, and the research he's doing is extremely important to him. And funding for research projects is a very tricky business. And if you apply for funding, the kind of record-keeping and the kind of work that you have to do um, to show that you are working above board and that there is no compromise with your work is extremely important. So one flaw in that process can quite often undermine your work. And then you have to answer to your funders and to the other people who support you. The difficulty here is that um, Rosanna, who has been dying for a promotion, finds that her promotion is to investigate on a committee the work that he's doing. Yes, that would uh, put a bit of stress on a person. <laughs> yes, yes. His ethics are in question. 
yes, both uh, both his ethics and his uh, money management skills. Now, one of the themes of your book, you say, fighting for what's right. So yes. tell us about that. Yes. She believes in him. But the big problem is that she can't tell him that what she's doing or why. And so it's left for him to try and understand why someone who clearly showed, uh, showed all the qualities that he could love and admire in a woman, why she suddenly changed into another person, why she seemed to... So his interpretation of her actions is what derails their romance. Does he know that she's on this investigating committee? He does, but he doesn't know her motives for doing uh, it. Okay, so it's... Now her motives are in question to him. Yes. You also say a, a theme is feminine independence. Yes. Yes, I like that theme. I come from a long line of hard-working women. Uh, when all my friends had uh, stay-at-home mothers, both my grandmother and my mother worked, and my mother in particular was a professional nurse. And so um, I like themes where the women are strong, where they're independent, where they are professional, and they have careers. And I'm also very disheartened by the way that nurses have been portrayed over the years um, in television and movies and I wanted to show another side of nursing that I think is undervalued and underserved. And your message is about love, uh, an incredible, incredible driving force. And also you see in that that there has to be the, this strong interconnection. Yes. Yes. I do. I, I believe in fate and free will, and that's mentioned um, in the book as well. But I always feel that people who find love quickly and, um, and, and become uh, enamored of each other and, and see right away that, that there's something special about this relationship, I always believe that there is an underlying force there. And in this story, there is an underlying force. And um, it sort of weaves its way through the story, but how it plays out in the end is what you need to read and see. Right, and of course, uh, there is this struggle for survival. Yes, yes. Which most yes. people, I think, could relate to, because everybody has some sort of a struggle. Yes, yes, they do. And we have to question our motives. We have to question the way that we perceive things. And sometimes we have to step out of our comfort zone in order to, um, in order to fight for what we want. And that's kind of what I was hoping from both my main characters, that they would be able to step out of their comfort zone and find a way back to each other. And you very much believe that we have to believe in something. In fact, I heard, and you've probably heard this, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for just about anything. That's right. So That's your characters right. uh, ha have strong wills. Yes, yes. And I do try to put in a fair amount of family history and information so that the readers can get a real sense of the events 
that have shaped both their lives and why they are both committed to the values and the ideals and the beliefs that they hold. And that, um, that is also extremely important to me in writing a story. Words that describe your story, faith, character, challenge, uh, words that describe your characters, candidness, honesty, integrity. Yes, yes. I want them to have integrity about the work they do. I wanted them to be very open and honest with each other. And these are two mature people, and although they're struggling with the relationship, they are two mature people, and so the candidness was extremely important and shows a connection, an early connection, and that is, uh, that is critical to any good relationship. You say the most controversial aspect of your book is, can love at first sight survive a second look? Yes, yes, yes. So anybody who has ever fallen for someone, I guess there's always this um, conflict between lust and love. But I think the people who have fallen in love at first sight know that. But when you fall in love at first sight and then events alter your perception of everything, will you be so angry because you don't have a history? Will you be so angry that you cannot reconnect? And that is the challenge for this couple. And is, you know, is that... uh is that a weakness? You call them loners. Is that part of their yes. struggle? Yes, it is. They're both lonely people. They have, um, and that is explained, and uh, that is explained in the story why they are lonely people, why they have singled themselves out from from the norm, and one of and uh, family events are the causes of both of their desires to be alone, Rosanna, because she can't meet the marriage expectations of her family, and Angus, because he also is quite um, mature and has not settled down. So you've tried to create these characters uh, so they wouldn't be a stereotype of a defined cultural group. No, 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 not really. Um, I'm not Italian myself, but I did grow up in an Italian community. And I love, I love to observe people and how they are. And so I didn't want to stereotype anybody, but I do know that there are certain values that are very important in certain communities. And being married and having children is very important in Italian communities. And for Angus, um, uh, his parents are both professional, and he, he is a professional person himself, but the dynamics of his family have altered his life responsibilities and the course of his life. So, again, that is uh, explained more fully in the book. And one of the main key messages, the bottom line, is that families have a very special place in our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we don't want to always override the things that our family consider important for us. Our parents raised us, they gave us values, and they certainly want to see us succeed. But we're independent people, and we have to find balance between the family and what our heart desires. Any closing thoughts, Judith? Um, I'm very proud of this book. Of the two I've written, I love them both. But I'm particularly proud of this book 
It was inspired by uh, the work that I do in the hospitals, the people that I work with, and the kind of dedication they show towards their job. Um, and so I feel very gratified by having told this story because I feel as if I am telling other people's stories that they aren't able to tell themselves. The title of the book, Suspect, Love, A Profound Prophecy, and the author is Judith Andrade. Judith, tell us how to get your book. Uh, you can um, go online and uh, at authorhouse.com. It's also available at Amazon, Chapters, all the large bookstores. Thanks for being with us, Judith, on Author Talk. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Information is power, the power to change your life. So be here for Education to Excellence. Some of the most valuable information you may ever receive will be shared with you 7 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday night with Education to Excellence with your host, Bruce Beichman. You'll benefit from insightful shows featuring guests that are proven experts in their field. Little-known facts on how to improve your health by making one very simple change in your morning routine. If you're a high school graduate or working adult and a bachelor's, master's, or doctorate degree from an accredited college would change your life, you won't want to miss this. Education to excellence. Shift your career into high gear without ever attending a traditional college class. Learn investment strategies from proven experts who have a track record of helping normal individuals build abnormal wealth. Check out their website, education2excellence.com. Then join us for the show, Education to Excellence, with your host, Bruce Beichman. Tuesday nights at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on toginet.com. Fertility. It's an extremely personal subject. Tune in Monday nights at 9, 8 Central for the Fertility Forum with infertility psychotherapist and expert Phyllis Martin on toginet.com. This is the show about infertility, gaining support, and information. Phyllis will assist you in navigating the disappointments and decisions that often accompany the difficult journey from diagnosis to conception, pregnancy to parenthood. She is passionate about her work and is an expert in the donor egg field, bringing both her personal and professional experience to all she does. Ms. Martin has extensive experience in helping patients cope with infertility, pregnancy loss, adoption, surrogacy, miscarriage, pregnancy termination, and creative family building. She knows what you're going through, and she's here to help. It's the Fertility Forum with your host, Phyllis Martin, Monday nights at 9, 8 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. The title of the book, Al-Qaeda, the Spider. Mass terrorism is not dead. Are we safe? And the author is Art Aronson, and Art joins us now on Author Talk. Hello, Art. Hello, Steve. How are you? Great to have you with us. This is going to be a mind-stretching, uh, emotionally uh, <laughs> uh, explosive kind of discussion because of the subject matter, and we'll get into your fiction based on fact. This is what you say about your book. Since 9-11, we've had... Individual terrorist U.S. attempts, but not mass attempts. My book is a mass attempt story plot that is real. Bin Laden's death is not the end of terrorism. 
it may be only the beginning. Well, that's very sobering, isn't it? Well, sobering is a good word because it, sobering is something to me uh, that will make you think and make you uh, try to be aware and be alert uh, to what's possible uh, in this country all around us any time. Uh, so it's a, it's a matter in, in my mind of not being complacent about uh, things that are possible. Yes, another word would be chilling as well. Sobering and chilling because the unimaginable could happen. And that's what your book is trying to help us understand. We must be more alert. What caused you to write this book, Art? Well, it's it's very specific. Uh, I was reading a newspaper article in the USA Today in January of 2010, and uh, there were some uh, high-powered people in the government, including the Secretary of State. I won't mention any names, but uh, they were being interviewed about terrorism. And uh, in general, uh, I thought they were downplaying mass terrorism since we had been uh, free from mass terrorism since 9-11. They were downplaying it since uh, we've, uh, at that point, uh, Bin Laden was still alive, but uh, they were downplaying it because, you know, we've captured people or we have people on the run and stuff like that. And I kind of took issue with some of the things they said. And uh, uh, for some reason, I started to make some notes. And before you know it, I'm writing a novel, which I surprised myself. <laughs> well, you focus on a character. Her name is Tony Sharp. Now, you describe her as, I guess, a modern-day James Bond? She's an undercover uh, female operative uh, working for the CIA, uh, but also, um, this is also, in my mind, I'm creating or trying to create a collaboration of agencies. In other words, uh, she works for the CIA. She has a relationship with uh, operatives and people in Homeland Security and, and in, uh, with the FBI, because in my mind, uh, all of these agencies seem to be separate systems as opposed to working together, uh, and uh, she is more of a, a modern-type CIA agent where she is her, her uh, responsibility is to bring together the CIA, the Homeland Security, and FBI on a regular basis, and I feel that the collaboration of those agencies instead of separate systems is, is really something that will keep us safer as opposed to separate systems. Now, you call yourself a layperson with no government connections, but at the same time, you've done a lot of research. Well, uh, what I have also found is that um, there is uh, a lot of investigation going on about terror. For example, uh, I have a, I read the newspaper as much as I can and mostly every day, and I'm constantly finding articles uh, because Al-Qaeda and terrorism and everything related to it, it seems like it's in the media almost every day. And, uh, you know, if, if that's research, then I'm researching because uh, I have tons of newspaper articles that 
very good people have written about all kinds of situations relating to this. And I've kind of just uh, have been continually kind of pulling it together. And, um, and that, that, that's really been the basis for a lot of my writing. We all know that 9-11, at the time, we would never have imagined that something like that could happen. Of course, now we know it could happen. It did happen. Thousands upon thousands of Americans died. And because of that, it could happen again. That's really the premise of your book. Well, it could happen any time. And uh, the other thing that is... Uh is scary to me is that uh, I mean I mean I talk about Muslims because uh, that was the, those were the kind of people that were involved in in 9/11. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of people that may may be uh, well have beliefs along those lines, uh, and they may be living uh, amongst us, uh, but. Uh, you know, we don't really know. Uh, we tend, all of us tend to be sort of somewhat private in our uh, families, even though we have neighbors and friends and relatives. But we never know who's really around us or uh, how they think, unless you know we're we're having a close relationship and exploring all kinds of things. So that's that's my point as far as. Uh, being aware, being alert of who's all around us and, uh, you know, how you, how we relate to each other. And then there are Americans who are buying into this extreme uh, jihad uh, ideology. There are just regular Americans that are changing their thinking and, and living behavior. And that's what I'm saying. And we, and we, uh, and in some cases, we may know who they are, and in some cases, we don't. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Yeah. So we. So that's that's the basis of uh, trying to be aware of the unexpected all the time, and that's. I mean, that's not an easy thing either. Well, tell us more about Tony Sharp. Give us a little bit more, a little biography of her. Well, Tony Sharp is a uh, uh, chemical engineer. New college graduate um, from the New England area. Uh, originally, uh, she has uh, a Jewish background, and um, she, uh, in taking chemical engineering, she also uh, took various languages, including Arabic and Spanish, and she knows Hebrew. Um, so the uh, the government is always looking for sharp people as well to work in uh, intelligence communities. And um, they found, the government found her and recruited her, the CIA recruited her, and uh, uh, she was going into further education and engineering there, but the, she was recruited by the CIA, and she figured uh, she uh, liked that idea and uh, she figured maybe uh, she'd put off her education and uh, check out this intelligence-type work uh, uh, up front uh, after graduation so that, uh, you know, she could uh, see if it's something that appealed to her and she liked it. She figured if she didn't like it, she could always let it go and go back into education which she, and engineering, which she wanted to do. Her goal, her ultimate goal was to own some kind of business 
manufacturing business in Israel uh, employing Jews and Arabs peacefully. And um, she, uh, uh, my book really, um, you can say, is a lot of what ifs right. as, far as, as far as what happens, because uh, she decides, she joins the CIA, and um, she's trying to, uh, and she has, again, as I mentioned, the responsibility of trying to bring together agencies, which uh, she had, is attempting to do. And all of a sudden, she has this uh, appendix attack. She has appendicitis, and um, she's rushed to the hospital, and her her surgeon um, takes out her appendix. He happens to be Muslim, and um, there is a male Muslim nurse who also attends to her, and uh, uh, his name is Felix Assad. He happens to be uh, an undercover terrorist. And the surgeon, his name is Dr. Moe, uh, in short. And uh, uh, th- that threesome develops a relationship. So, I can go further if you want. <laughs> well, uh, we may want to talk a little bit more uh, about Dr. Moe and Felix Assad. But uh, right now, as you put together this, uh, I'm sure, a lot of twists and turns and, uh, as always, a very unexpected ending, right? Yes, there's a surprise ending, which I won't reveal here sure. for obvious reasons. Uh, and the surprise ending is positive. And um, there is no, there's no, um, there's nothing here regarding... Uh, uh, anything that's bad about Muslims, uh, what, what I uh, talk about is a jihadist plot, um, and it's uh, an anthrax, a death plot, and uh, it's a question of uh, does it get foiled, can it be foiled, and what happens at the end? We all know Muslims. We live with them right in our communities I would say, you know, I respect them just like any other American from any other uh, uh, religious background or of, of a different ethnic background. But, of course, we don't know. We don't know who among them, we may even know them, that they could be terrorists like Felix Assad. Well, absolutely. Uh, we don't know. In, in a lot of detail in terms of uh, what their background is or uh, how they think and uh, or what prompts them to think. And they may not always have thought that way. It may be something new that has affected them. Uh, you know, for example, uh, a uh, one of our troops who has been in, in, at war, for example, in Iraq, and who has seen uh, killing of uh, civilians, women and children and stuff like that, uh, Who and he is an American. I mean, mentally, uh, someone like that and, and what is impacting him, I mean, he could become a terrorist. Well, we, of course, we hear a lot about the Muslim Brotherhood. Is that any part of your book? Um, not really. Uh, the... Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood was something is an organization certainly that personally I only had 
had uh, information on or came in contact with uh, since all of the, the Arab Spring, what they call the Arab Spring, or all the craziness that is going on in Egypt. Um, and, and that's where a lot of the Muslim Brotherhood is. Uh, the only thing I can say about that, really, is that, it, and this is not in my book, but um, some, since Bin Laden was killed and uh, Zawahiri, who was his second-in-command, who has taken over um, al-Qaeda, so to speak, uh, he's an Egyptian. He was in jail for many years in Egypt, and um, uh, I'm concerned, honestly, and again, not part of the book, uh, I'm concerned that uh, um, he has, because he's an Egyptian and he had a relationship with the Muslim Brotherhood at one time, um, I'm not sure where he's going with al-Qaeda in the future and what's going to turn out in Egypt. Right. Well, you have your first sequel and your second sequel all ready to go. Well, the, the second one is ready. It just has to wait for al-Qaeda, the spider, to become successful over the next year. Uh, and I'm, I'm working on the third one right now. Third one as well. So this is a very intriguing series, sobering and chilling, as we've already mentioned. Uh, we can't be complacent. However, we are, aren't we? Well, we are, and um, uh, as I mentioned, I get a lot of input from newspaper articles about uh, a lot of these subjects that are, have helped me with um, my sequels, even. But, uh, I, you know, I watch a lot of uh, uh, TV cable news, and uh, I, you know, pick out a lot of things from there, too, based on government types and the terrorism types who are interviewed in terms of what they say and whether I agree, I agree with them or not, or even though they have great responsibilities, uh, sometimes I, I wonder if they really uh, understand or, or uh, have their finger in all the details. And that's where, that's where I say, hey, I'm just a lay person. But uh, I have a lot of insight based on uh, uh, things I read and listen to uh, as far as uh, and bringing them together. Uh, and, you know, what does this mean? The title of the book, Al-Qaeda the Spider. Mass terrorism is not dead. Are we safe? And the author is Art Aronson. Art, tell us how to get your book. Well, the book is available um, online. Uh, through the publisher who was Author House. So AuthorHouse.com uh, is a way to uh, order the book, but you can order it online from any uh, major retailer like uh, Amazon or Barnes & Noble especially, or my book can be ordered now uh, at any bookstore. It, the book is live, it can be ordered, and it's not on the shelves yet because it's that new so you have to go in and order it, and may take a week to get one. But um, uh, it's sort of just in the step one as far as uh, you know, getting it marketed. Art, thanks for being with us on Author Talk. Well, I'm excited about uh, the uh, issues and uh, excited to the point where I just want people to understand and be aware and be safe. 
Thank you, Art. You're welcome.